So we are going to dive right in. Uh, I want to thank uh, Stephen Massey, who filled in admirably for me last week. Stephen always does a great job here at GFCC when he fills in for me. I had to uh, head out of town. I got to do a wedding last Saturday night in, at Fair Oaks Farms. Uh, and so among the dairy cows, I was helping him young man and young woman become husband and wife and uh, it rained the entire time i mean I, I was half expecting alanis morissette to pop up and sing about irony um but uh she did not she did not and neither did the cows but anyway um so it was uh it was a beautiful wedding it was a lot of fun and then we went to see my sister and visit her uh in middlebury indiana and i don't know about you but there is no more indiana sounding name of a town than middlebury like if you were to meet somebody in germany and said yeah i i live in middlebury they'd be like yeah is that in uh, indiana and they'd be, you'd be like yeah that is totally in indiana how did you know because nothing sounds more indiana than Middlebury, although I was told that there are several Middlebury's around the country, uh, but none is as special as Middlebury, Indiana, because my sister lives there. Anyway, so we had a good time uh, being out of town and visiting with family and stuff like that. So, but it's good to be back. I love to be right here with you all and to get up here and to talk about Jesus with you. And so I want to thank Stephen for filling in, for covering Acts chapter 12. Um, which is all about how uh, God's, uh, the, the uh, bad times can't stop the good news. Love that. That was so great. Bad times can't stop the good news. And Stephen, like I said, did an excellent job. So today we are in Acts chapter 13. We have been studying the book of Acts in a series called Unleashed. And this series is all about the book of Acts. And we are doing, uh, we are going chapter by chapter week by week through the book of Acts, like it says up there on the screen. Uh, we are going chapter by chapter, 28 weeks in the book of Acts, and we're covering one chapter per week. And so we are in week 13, lucky number 13, right? Well, I tell you what, tonight's message is all about the good news as well. Like Stephen said last week, bad news can't, bad times can't stop the good news. Well, tonight we're going to talk about sharing the good news and how important it is that we share the good news. And we're going to see how the early apostles and disciples did just that. So if you have a Bible, grab your Bible, turn to Acts chapter 13. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can uh, use uh, your uh, phone and look up uh, the uh, on a Bible app like Bible Gateway or version. you can look up Acts chapter 13, or you should be able to follow along with the GFCC app. Uh, the GFCC app is available in your app store by searching for GFCC, whether it's the iTunes store or the Google Play store, and you'll find tonight's sermon notes there in Acts chapter 13. So Acts chapter 13 begins with a... Uh, um, and a description of what is going on in the church in Antioch. Now, Antioch uh, is on the border of Syria and Turkey. It's in northern Syria. Um, and Antioch was the city where Paul put his base of operations. That's where Paul uh, launched many of his missionary journeys from. And this is the first missionary journey that Paul goes on with Barnabas. And we're told that there were prophets and teachers in the church at Antioch. Uh, and the, some of them are, are listed. One of them is Barnabas. He's the first one that's listed. Barnabas's name means son of encouragement. Bar in Jewish, Bar, B-A-R, means son. Uh, and we're going to get into that in just a little bit as we meet a man named Bar Jesus. And we'll talk about that and what that means here in a little bit. But there was Barnabas, who was the son of encouragement. He was an encourager. Uh, there was a man named Simeon, but they called him Niger. Uh, meaning he was of African descent. He was a, uh, a black man. 
uh, and his name was Simeon. He was one of the prophets, one of the teachers there at Antioch. There was Lucius of Cyrene, meaning he was from the city of Cyrene. He was from Libya, which is in northern Africa. So you have a couple of Africans there in Antioch. You have Barnabas, who's a Jewish man. There was Manaen, who was uh, the who was raised. It says with Herod the Tetrarch, and that's King Herod. Uh, he was King Herod's half brother, so he was also Jewish, and he was King Herod's half brother. And the last person listed is Saul, who we eventually learned to be known as Paul. So Saul uh, and these guys were all teachers there in Antioch. And it says that uh, Barnabas and Saul were there for an entire year before they went on this missionary journey. Look at Acts chapter 13, verse 2. It says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And it says they went ahead and they fasted and they prayed some more. And then they commissioned uh, Saul and Barnabas to go out and spread the good news, to go on this missionary journey. Uh, What what fascinates me here, what, what I think is so important is that fasting and prayer was a part of their life. Fasting, prayer, and worship was a part of their regular life as followers of Jesus. And uh, coming up in September, we're going to have a worship and prayer night again. Uh, How many of you have ever been to one of our worship and prayer nights? Okay. A few of you have. Uh, We get together, we sing a bunch of songs. We have some focused times of prayer, and we're going to do that in September again. We're going to have our next worship and prayer night uh, as we kind of move into hopefully a new season, uh, moving beyond COVID-19 and uh, praying for God's intervention in our world. Um, But we're going to have this worship and prayer night. We'll live stream it as well. But I'm thinking about asking you guys uh, and and the folks online, asking you guys to turn that into a day of fasting as well. And I'll get more into that the closer we get to worship and prayer night. Uh, But I'm thinking about maybe having a day of fasting along with that. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. We'll see how the Holy Spirit lays that on my heart, but he's already preparing the ground for that. So get, get hungry. Uh, So uh, Saul and Barnabas, uh, leave from uh, Antioch in Syria, and they sail. Uh, they go to a city called Seleucia, which was south uh, southwest of uh, Antioch. There on the Mediterranean Sea, they, it's a seaport. So they get on a boat and they sail to the island of Cyprus. Now, the island of Cyprus was 63 miles away. And they sailed to this island. This was the third largest. It's the third largest island in the Mediterranean Sea. And so they sail over to uh, Cyprus. And they get to a city called Salamis. And look at verse 5. It says, when they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. And John was with them as their helper. Now, this is important. Keep in the back of your mind, I want you to remember John or John Mark. He was Barnabas's cousin. Uh, He was a a follower of Jesus. And he is with Saul and Barnabas on this first missionary journey. Okay. Now, something's going to happen here in just a few verses um, that is going to cause John Mark to leave. And then this is going to cause a rift in the relationship between Saul and Barnabas in, Je- in uh, Acts chapter 15. We'll get to that in a couple weeks. Um, but so kind of put that in the back of your memory bank. John Mark uh, is uh, Barnabas's cousin. He's also the guy who wrote the gospel of Mark. 
Okay, so he's kind of an important dude, um, but he is very young and they have an issue with him uh, coming up. Uh, so look at verses six through eight, because what happens is they get to the, to the island of Cyprus. They go to the Jewish synagogues. And the reason they went to the synagogues first, you would think they would want to go to the Gentiles since that's what uh, Jesus wanted Saul to do. But they go to the Jewish synagogues because the, the people of the Jewish synagogues are monotheists. They already believe in the one true God. They just haven't put their faith and trust in Jesus yet. And so they're going to go to the Jewish synagogues and start telling people about Jesus, that he, the good news that he is the Messiah. Um, so look at uh, verse 6. They come to the whole island. Uh, and they come to uh, the, the city of Paphos. This is on the other side of the island. It says, there they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar Jesus. Now, uh, that doesn't mean he was trying to bar them from Jesus. Bar means son of, and so he's the son of Jesus. Now, he's not the son of Jesus the Christ. He's not the son of the Messiah. No, he's uh, son of Jesus. Uh, the Hebrew name is Joshua. So his father's name was Joshua. So his name is Bar Jesus, son of Joshua, or son of the Savior is what it can mean, but he's not actually the son of Jesus. Uh, so a prophet named Bar Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elimas, the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. So the proconsul is uh, the governor of Cyprus. He's the governor of that region. And he's a very intelligent man. He's a, a leader in the Roman Empire. And he calls for Saul and Barnabas and wants him to come and tell them uh, about Jesus. And so he's got this guy who works for him. He's an attendant. His name is Elimas, which means magician or sorcerer. It can mean learned or wise one. And so he is a sorcerer who works for the governor. And now if the governor puts his faith in Jesus, he no longer needs a sorcerer. And so Elimas, this sorcerer, Bar-Jesus, says, I'm going to try and keep this... Uh, governor from putting his faith in Jesus Christ. Look at verse 9. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, so that's the first reference we have to Saul's name now being Paul. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elimas and said, you are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now, the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun. What is interesting here is that Saul, called Paul, Paul says, you are a child of the what? Child of the devil. Now, what does his name mean? Elimas bar Jesus, son of the Savior? His name means son of the Savior, but Paul calls him the child of the devil. This would not have been lost on Herod the Tetrarch. Because Herod was a Jew. His mother was a Jewess, if you remember from last week in what Stephen said. His mother was a Jewess. And so it would have really kind of clicked in Herod's head that, you know, wow, this son of the Savior is actually the son of the devil. Interesting. Interesting. Um, so uh, immediately he becomes blind. He has people lead him around uh, because he can't see. Um, and everybody's amazed by what the Lord was doing, including Sergius Paulus, the Roman governor. He was amazed by what 
Paul had done. And he put his faith in Jesus, which is really cool. So the good news of Jesus is spreading throughout the island of Cyprus. Well, they begin to move on from there. Uh, they go to, uh, they sail across the Mediterranean to the region uh, of Pamphylia, uh, and uh, they go to a city called Perga, and uh, that's when John Mark leaves them to go back to Jerusalem. Again, put that in your memory bank. In two chapters, we're going to see what that means. Um, they go to a city called Pisidian Antioch, and this is in the region of Galatia. Uh, and so they go to the city called uh, Pisidian Antioch, and it was 110 miles from Perga to Pisidian Antioch. But not only was it 110 miles, but it was 110 miles through barren wilderness and a mountain range, 3,600 feet high. And Paul and Barnabas are walking there, 110 miles uphill through the snow both ways to get to school. No, wait, that's my parents. Um, so, um, but they had to walk uh, 110 miles over mountain ranges, over a mountain range to get to the city of Pisidian Antioch. And that's where they arrive in verse 15. They go to the synagogue again. They enter the synagogue and look at verse 15. After the reading from the law and the prophets, that's the Old Testament. After the reading from the law and the prophets, the leaders of the synagogue sent word to them saying, brothers, if you have a word of exhortation for the people, please speak. And that's exactly what they do. Paul gets up and he begins to talk about Jesus. But he starts way back in the Old Testament. He, talks with the, he starts with the story of how the Israelites were freed from, the, uh, from slavery in Egypt. And then he goes on through the judges and he gets to King Saul. And then he goes to King David and he talks about how uh, he then transitions from King David to Jesus. Talking about how Jesus was a descendant of Saul. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, a, a descendant of David. Um, and then look at verse 23. It says, from this man's descendants, God has brought to Israel the Savior Jesus as he promised. So he goes from Egypt to the judges, to Saul, to David, to Jesus. And says that Jesus is the one who God had promised to send as a descendant of David. And then he moves on to talk about uh, John the Baptist and how he was baptizing people as a sign of repentance, but he wasn't the one for whom they were looking. He was not the Messiah. He was pointing to the Messiah. Remember what John said about Jesus, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Um, and so uh, Paul continues to explain the good news about who Jesus is, and he explains the good news that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. Um, the, he talks about how Jesus was uh, arrested and how he was tried and how he was crucified and how God raised him from the dead. And then this is what Paul says in verse 32. He says, we tell you the good news. What God promised our ancestors, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. So Jesus was crucified. He was buried in a borrowed tomb, and then he was raised back to life. That's exactly what Paul tells these Jewish believers or these Jewish people in the synagogue. And then he quotes from the Psalms. He quotes from the Old Testament. Uh, he quotes from the book of Habakkuk, and he, he gives them some Old Testament quotes. And what makes my heart wonder is, were those the readings at the synagogue that day? Maybe Paul was was going back and, and the readings that they had had from the law and the prophets, uh, that Paul was capitalizing on those readings to point to Jesus as the Messiah. So look at um, verse 38. He goes, therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, 
Everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. And so this is the crux of the good news right here, is that you cannot be saved by following the law of Moses. You cannot be saved by following the Ten Commandments. And maybe you've heard somebody say, or maybe you've said yourself, well, I'm a good person. I follow the Ten Commandments. Well, that may make you a good person, and it may, and it may be true. You may follow the Ten Commandments as best as you can. But Paul says it very clearly. You cannot be saved by following the law of Moses. You cannot be saved by following the Ten Commandments. Again, there's nothing wrong with following the Ten Commandments, but they can't save you. It is only through Jesus Christ that you can be saved. It is only through faith in Christ that you can find forgiveness and salvation. That's the only way to be saved is through Jesus and through faith in him. So they get ready to leave the synagogue. People are just kind of like shocked and, and, and totally astonished. And they begin following Paul and Barnabas out of the synagogue and, and asking them to continue to explain. And they ask him to come back the following week. So the following Sabbath, they all come to the synagogue and the whole city, just about the whole city shows up. Well, all these uh, Jewish people and Gentile converts to the Jewish faith are there and the Jewish religious leaders get really, really jealous. All these people have come out to, he to hear from Paul and Barnabas. Look at verse 46. It says that they began to contradict what Paul was saying. They heaped abuse on him. And then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly. We had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. So Paul gave the Jews the, the first opportunity to hear the good news. He gave them the first opportunity to hear about Jesus and to hear that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the Savior of the world, that Jesus uh, can save us from our sins. He gave them the first opportunity, but they rejected it. They rejected the good news. They rejected the gospel. The, the Greek word for gospel is euangelion. It literally means good news. It's from which we get our word evangelism. And that's kind of what I want to talk to you about for the next uh, five or six minutes is about the importance of evangelism. Um, but one of the things that it says that uh, they heaped abuse on Paul and Barnabas, it doesn't mean that they were physically abusing them. It just means that the Greek word they're used is the word for blasphemy. And they were blaspheming Jesus. They were blaspheming the name of Jesus. Um, and so they stirred up all this persecution against Paul and Barnabas. And they, it says that they expelled them from the city. They kicked them out of, out of Pisidian Antioch. And uh, it says that Paul and Barnabas shook the dust from their feet. And that's something that uh, Jews would do way back when. Um, they would shake the dust from their shoes and shake the dust from their feet as a sign of giving up on that city. As saying, you're beyond hope. And we're done with you. So they would just... Shake the dust from their shoes, from their feet, and then they left and they went to the city of Iconium. And we'll pick up their story next week when we get to Iconium. But for today, I want to talk to you about three key aspects of sharing the good news. Three key aspects of evangelism. The first one is this. To share the good news, you have to believe the good news. To share the good news, you have to believe the good news. And one of the important things about believing the good news is believing that the good news is good because there's bad news too. Sometimes in churches, we don't like talking about the bad news. 
We only want to talk about the good news. And I, I, I'm guilty. I love talking about the good news. People are like, why don't you ever talk about hell? It's because my job isn't to tell you that you're going to hell. My job is to tell you how to get to heaven. But here's the bad news. The bad news is that people are going to hell. And like, if you don't put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you are not going to heaven. You need to believe in Jesus Christ. You need to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Because the bad news is that we're all sinners, every single one of us, from the people out here, the people watching online, the guy on stage, especially the guy on stage, goodness. Or maybe I should say badness, badness. But the guy on stage is just as much a sinner as you are. And the bad news is that our sin condemns us to an eternity in hell. But God loved the world so much that he sent his only son, Jesus. And this is the good news. He sent his only son, Jesus, to take our punishment when he took our place. To take the punishment that we deserve. He took our punishment when he went to the cross. Jesus went through hell on the cross so that we could go to heaven when we die. Let me say that one more time. Jesus went through hell on the cross so that we could go to heaven when we die. And if you put your faith and trust in Jesus by believing in him, turning away from sin by repenting from your sins, acknowledging your faith by confessing Jesus as Savior and Lord, getting baptized, God's going to wash away all your sins. He's going to fill you with his Holy Spirit. He's going to give you the promise of eternal life. And if you haven't taken that step of faith yet, if, if you're like somewhere in the middle there, it's like, man, I, I, think I, I think I believe, I believe in Jesus, but I've never taken that step of faith of getting baptized. I'm, I'm still kind of dealing with sin and everything like that. Whatever you are, wherever you are in that continuum, wherever you are in that plan of salvation, I want you to come talk to me about your next steps of faith. Even after this service or, or reach out to me online, uh, reach out to me at the office, uh, email the office, office at gfcc.net, call the office 219-924-6840. Give us a call. Let us know where you are are in that in your next steps of faith and the steps of faith you need to take because to share the good news you've got to believe the good news you got to believe how good the good news really is secondly to share the good news you need to know the good news you have to know the good news and that means you need to know your story and how the good news has changed your life you need to know beyond the shadow of a doubt that the news really is good. You need to know Jesus. You need to know that Jesus is your savior. You need to know that Jesus died for your sins. You need to know that Jesus loves the world. You need to know the good news. And that means more than just saying, yeah, I believe it. No, you need to know it. You need to internalize it. You need to realize just how good this good news is for you and for you and for you and for you in the balcony, for all of you online. You need to know that Jesus Christ died for your sins. You need to know the good news. Because if you want to share the good news, you got to know it. How many of you have ever met somebody who tried to share some information, but they didn't know what they were talking about? Oh, you've been on Facebook lately. Oh, maybe. <laughs> and doesn't that drive you nuts? Somebody tries to tell you something, but they don't know what they're talking about. When it comes to sharing the good news, you will drive people crazy if you don't know what you're talking about. Know the good news before you share the good news. And know just how good that good news really is. Know that good news and, and, and how it's changed your life. So to share the good news, you need to believe the good news. 
And to share the good news, you need to know the good news. And finally, to share the good news, you need to explain the good news. You have to explain it in a way that is easy for people to understand. And, and I got three ways that you can do this. One, uh, the easiest way to, to share the good news with somebody is invite them to come to church or invite them to tune in online. We talk about the good news every single week. We talk about the plan of salvation every single week uh, in the midst of a, of a message or in the midst of the service. So invite somebody to come to church. To just throw a mask on real quick. Come to church with me. I'll take you out to dinner afterwards. We'll go out for coffee afterwards. You know, uh, Invite somebody to come to church and to hear the good news. That's the easiest way to share the good news with somebody. It's just invite them to come to church. Uh, a second way that you can share the good news with somebody... Uh, is you can um, uh, share your story with them. How, what has Jesus saved you from? What has Jesus done in your life? What does Jesus mean to you? And just sharing that, explaining, explaining how Jesus has made a difference in your life. Uh, or you can, uh, the last way you can do that uh, is just to explain the plan of salvation. And again, you've got to believe it. You've got to know it. You've got to be able to explain it. That if you need to put your faith and trust in Jesus, because Jesus is the only way to be saved. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It is only through Jesus Christ that we can be saved. And you got to be able to explain that to people in a way that is going to entice them to want to find out more, to learn more information. If I can be of any assistance, please let me know how I can help you share the good news. Because I believe we're all missionaries on, purp on a purpose. We we all have a purpose, and that is to tell as many people we can about Jesus. Because I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but the world seems to be falling apart faster and faster and faster. Does it not? And like, I, I, I'm not a doomsday prophet. I'm not telling you that Jesus is coming next week, but Jesus might come next week. And so who do you know that doesn't know Jesus, that needs to get to know Jesus? You need to get to know Jesus. And you need to tell somebody about Jesus. I can only tell so many people myself. But if all of us were to be unleashed into this world with the good news of Jesus Christ, how many more people could we reach before he comes back? We could reach a lot more people. So I want you to do this. Here's, here's my, my challenge for you this week is I want you to think of someone, one person, one person that you know that it's like if they were to die tonight, they would not go to heaven. You're just, you just know that they wouldn't, and it breaks your heart. It breaks your heart. Not that you're sitting in judgment over them, not that you're condemning them to hell, but you know that they don't have a relationship with Jesus. They do not have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. And so I want you to think about that person. I want you to pray for them five times this week. That one person. I want you to pray for them on five different occasions. That doesn't mean to sit down and pray for them five times right now. I mean, you can, but, but just throughout the week, when that person comes to mind, pray for that person. Pray for an opportunity to invite them to church. Pray for the opportunity for them to tune in online. Pray for an opportunity to share your story. Pray for an opportunity to share the good news with them. I want you to pray for that person five times this coming week and see what God does. Because I believe that that is a prayer that God loves to answer. And I believe that he will answer that prayer. And so I want you to pray for that person five times this week. And when we do that, when we start lifting people up in prayer, when we start praying for people who don't know Jesus, we're going to have opportunities to share the good news with them. And so whether you're watching online or you're sitting here in the worship center, I want you to think of that one person who needs to know Jesus more than anyone else you can think of. And I want you to pray for that person five times this week. Will you do that?